Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Celtic Soul Podcast with me, Andrew Millen. My guest on the show today will be Willie McStay, who comes from one of the most famous Celtic families around. Willie has every Scottish medal in the cabinet from his time playing at Celtic. As youth and reserve team coach, he produced 21 players who went on to play in the Champions League. I would like to thank our episode sponsor, Left Wing Badges, who produce all our badges, which you will find at our online shop at CelticFanzine.com. You'll also find our t-shirts and other merchandise. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to support the podcast and become a sponsor, please email us at info at CelticFanzine.com. You can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. Best of luck to the Willie Maley Memorial Group in Yuri for their upcoming walk on Sunday to raise funds for a monument to the great iconic Celtic figure Willie Maley. For more information, follow them on Twitter at MaleyNuri or you can also follow them on Facebook. Another three points at another empty stadium, this time in Paisley, as Celtic came from a goal down to win 2-1 against St Mirren, who parked the bus for most of the game. We've also narrowed the gap at the top of the table to three points, with a game in hand against Aberdeen. Shane Duffy grabbing the headlines again. Duffy is handling headers from set pieces like he is handling the press. He handled the press so well yesterday at his press conference. We all dream of a team of Shane Duffy's, while Gary Breen just dreams of being noticed again. James Forrest has shut up the critics for the time being anyway, with a fantastic headed goal to win the game. Eduard missed the penalty, but all is forgiven because he has hero status. Had Ryan Christie stood up to take the penalty and miss, I fear it would be a different story with the critics on Twitter. We went behind after three minutes, and the following morning I saw a tweet from a Celtic fan calling for Lennon's head if we win or lose the league. Shortly after we went behind, three minutes, Three effing minutes with 87 minutes left to play. I can only imagine that the fan is young and frustrated at not being able to get the games and has taken his frustration out on Twitter. Maybe if he was at the game, he would have turned around and said to his mates or just shouted out aloud in the night air and it would have went unnoticed. Yeah, it must be a young fan, I think. Who knows, only success as Celtic. Because being a Celtic fan now is a lot different than those barren years back in the 90s when Rangers were dominating Scottish football. And we had the legendary player Paul McStay leading us. One of the greatest players ever to grace Celtic Park and the Celtic jersey. He could have played for any team in the world at any time during his career. But he was happy to pull on the Hoops jersey when others would have left for riches and success. Paul stuck with us. The fans stuck with Celtic and have reaped the rewards of loyalty. With treble after treble, trophy after trophy. And we never went bust in a pursuit of becoming the finest team in Scotland. 
and I know you all agree. Yes, it looks like the Rangers have improved and seem to have a solid defence, but remember, Edouard broke their heart before, and I expect him and the boys to do it again. Let's get behind Lenny and the boys until the end of the season, and then we can open the debate on how Celtic move forward to qualify for the Champions League. Until then, we must keep the faith and stay faithful, true and true. The name is McStay and Celtic Football Club have been ingrained in the history of Glasgow and the Glasgow Celtic Football Club. Willie McStay and his son John continue to keep the connection between both going to this day. Willie signed for Celtic in 1977 as a schoolboy and made his debut in 1983. He won league, Scottish and Scottish League Cup medals during his playing time and was youth and reserve team coach and is currently part of the very successful scouting and recruitment team. Hi Willie, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. How is life now after the lockdowns and are you getting any nearer to normality in your day-to-day work for Celtic? Yeah, well, first of all, Andrew, thanks for uh, getting in touch with us and you know, speaking to us today. Uh, I'm sure like, you know, the way you've handled things in the, the past as well, you'll be looking at you know, thorough uh, questions and like, you know, making me reflect on on things that you actually forget about as you're, you know, you're growing through different phases of your life. Uh, so it's, it's great to reminisce as well. So thanks for that. And uh, what you said there, like, uh, back to normality, really, I'm actually sitting in a, you know, a room that I've created now at home because uh, at the moment, like, you know, there's no live football for us to go and see. Uh, we're getting closer to it in terms of uh, being able to go and see live matches to scout the player and to be honest that that is the best way to scout you know you see more in the game you see the player off the ball you see his character you see if he's a communicator just for instance like a, a centre back if you're watching the game on the television or a video you, you don't see because the camera follows the ball so you don't actually see you know how he is round about the halfway line organising making sure there's a you no know, like a like no a togetherness of the, the players round about them that when there is a counter-attack or a transition of the ball that they're aware on television all you see is the ball and you don't see see them as well no. and you you know yourself when you, you're watching the game but you can see and feel the defenders pointing organising making sure that behind the ball on the transition that they'll be ready for that moment so also you can you can feel and see like no what a player's like, you know, when the team's winning, uh, they've got confidence about them, they're springing their step, you can actually see and feel that. And also the reverse, when things are not going well, you know, are they one that's just trying to do enough or are they, are they a big character that they want to take responsibility and take the ball? So all these things, you no, know, are difficult. Uh, I'm not saying you, you, know, you don't see other things when you're watching uh, you know, videos and, and live games on the TV. But you know, there is that human part that you miss and it's basically around the attitude, the character and the tactical awareness. You see more of that when you look at the, the live games. So uh, hopefully you understand you know, what I'm putting across there. Uh, the perfect scenario for me is when you go and watch a live game, you like the player and then you come back and then you can watch clips of the player. Sometimes you see little technical things or little movements that you didn't see in the game. But on the whole, that's the way I like it. Watch watch a player and then follow follow up 
and uh, rather than the other way. But at the moment, it's where we are, and we have to work this way. And at the moment, this is a little room that we've created as well. And I think I said to you earlier, I've got some memorabilia here. I'm going to, I've painted it. We've got it ready to put the different bits and pieces now that I've collected through my career. Yeah, and I can tell the listeners there's some great memorabilia there. Some great memories really showed me around. Right back to 1957, Sean Fallon signed up right up to the present day from Kieran Tierney. And I actually thought you were going to say, well, he showed me a top from 1957 that he played in. No, definitely not. <laughs> but this is fan. a special one. Sean, Sean Fallon has uh, signed, signed it as well and the, pro, the programme's in it as well. So absolutely delighted to have something like that. A, a real memorable achievement and a, a scoreline that's etched in the every Celtic supporter's mind. It sure is, really. Really, um, before we delve into more about the recruitment policy at the club, we've just recruited, I suppose, an experienced international in, in Shane Duffy, a great signing for the club. Was he ever on the radar? You know, you, you had to come up across him as a younger player. To be honest, not really. I uh, just know, know what he's done. Uh, and obviously, like, no, it's been a fantastic uh, like signing for us. No, it's loan alone for a year in this hopefully historical year for the club uh, with nine in a row in the bag uh, we're looking to go for a quadruple treble uh, with the Scottish Cup still to be played from last season and ultimately ten in a row so he's come in and uh, to be honest you know, Nick Hammond the, the scouting team the manager uh, you know, everybody involved they've, they've got it over the line and got it over over the line now uh, and I think you can see the impact that he made. You know, he, he, he's assured in what he is. He's got a real strength of character, uh, the Premier League uh, experience as well. So coming up here, you know, even from the first game, he's not faced by anything. And I actually watched the game, uh, the national game, when he scored the header. And I, I just felt as if you know, it's, a, it's late in the game. They know that the result at that particular time wasn't what they were looking for uh, and when the corner kick was awarded I just said I got we got feeling that this is going to happen he's going to score the goal and uh, he did and you know you could see after the game I think it showed his uh, personality when I was talking earlier there about character he wasn't glorified in, in his goal it was the performance of the team and how you know, they want to do better and to me, no, just listen. And that's before he's walked in the door. But no, he's the right type. He is the right type. And I know people who know Shane, and obviously my connections with Paddy McCourt. No, and uh, no, they were singing his praises before. No, we even stepped through the door and said it'd be a fantastic signing. So when he's came in, he scored a, a great goal, showed leadership qualities uh, against Ross County. And I just like you no know, like every other uh, Celtic fan as well. Looking forward to seeing him you know, at Celtic Park, you know, because I'm sure he'll thrive in that atmosphere. Yeah, I suppose you know everyone looks towards Scott Brown for the leadership, but you know he's he's another one that can step up there, another leader on the park. I definitely, I think uh, that's what you want. Like, you no, know, Scott's been unbelievable. You no, know, he's he's record as a captain, but not just you no, know, his performances and it's on the park and off the park, the dressing room. Like no, he's he's brilliant in, in that environment. But the more leaders you've got, the better. And uh, no, with Shane coming in, he's uh, 
he's hungry for success. He wants to win trophies as well. And you know, that'll be the big part of coming here. He's loved for Celtic, as he's he said, but you know, isn't just a token. It's been in the family and obviously from where he comes from as well. Like uh, you know, Celtic are a big, big club, you know, all over the world, but in that part of uh, Northern Ireland and Derry, you know, like he's been brought up with Celtic in his mind. And uh, coming in at a special time when you know, it could be history being made, it just, to me, looks as if he wants to be part of that. Yeah, there's, I, when we mentioned Scott Brown there, there's, I suppose there's shades of Paul's career at um, Celtic. I know Scott, Scott didn't come through the youth system, but he came to us quite young and you know he's been with us for all those nine titles. And you know, yeah, There's a, a wee story I've got, a wee like, uh, antidote. Uh, when Celtic played Boa Vista, uh, in 2003 uh, I wasn't there I was a uh, under 19 coach uh, with Scotland as well as doing my uh, head of youth at Celtic and uh, Scott Brown made his debut in that game and he went on as a front player and now you can see his career he's come back he's, he's been at Hibs a tremendous number 8 and now he's, he's went from the 8 to the 6th position as well like no that was the start so I remember driving back, sorry, after the game, it was a, an earlier kickoff, and uh, going into the car and going along the motorway uh, past Cumbernauld when Celtic actually scored the goal. So that was two memories of Boa Vista. Like, you no, know, the goal live when I was in the car and going off my head, <laughs> and Scott Brown's debut under 19 as a striker. Well, I, I was lucky enough to be there that night, Willie, and uh, my story was a little different. <laughs> Could you see then, but he was he was a player like had he got the leader attitude as a young player? Yeah, yeah, you no, know, he was he was fearless as well, like uh, a fantastic athlete. You no, know, he, he was. You know, you talk about pace, endurance. He had all that, and he had the things I spoke about earlier. Actually, about character and desire. You no, know, that's a big part of being a Celtic player. A lot of good players have came to the club and not handled the. Like, you know, the environment where it's 20, 24 7 and you know the demand of win, win, win. And you, know, you have to have that. And uh, like, you know, that's Scott's always had that. And he actually had a good uh, youth team at that time at Hibs as well, Derek Riordan and you know, different other players that uh, you know, they, they were a good group. Yeah, Willie, I'm going to take it back now. We, uh, we spoke there about the recruitment. Um, can you talk us through the recruitment policy at the club? and Maybe take the Frimpong case as someone who didn't have to wait too long to get into the team, and also look at like talk us through maybe a player that has to go out and loan to get his experiences. Uh, to be honest, Andrew, the, the policy changes uh, in terms of the individual. The, the, the first team scouting is separate from what I do, but but we're getting close of bridging the gap. Well, I'm responsible for the academy, and for us, it's about trying to dominate Scotland. Uh, first of all, with the young age groups, uh, we try to uh, be the leading uh, club you know, for re- you know, recruitment, bringing young talent in. And it all starts way back at uh, five-year-old. Between five-year-old and eight, we have development centres. We have three centres uh, in Scotland, one in the central area, uh, one in Glasgow, Tory Glen, and one down in Ayrshire. And from that, we bring players in for a six-week kind of period and it, it's not it, it's, it's a, a situation where if they're doing well they stay in the coaches are giving them uh, advice cards 
know, for them to develop, to go back to their club, because you know, at that age group you can't sign. The under-11 age group is the first age group that you can sign a club academy in Scotland, uh, what you call it, registration. So everything up to under-11 is pre-academy, and we're very strong there. Uh, and we work and select these kids all the way through, bring them in to under-8s and under-9s where we create elite groups. They still play with a boys club and come back at, uh, into our training and go through the curriculum. And under 10, we put that together as the team that we're going to move into the Club Academy Scotland or the uh, fixtures as well. But we will put a games programme on for the kids. And the amount of work that's done down there is enormous. It's, uh, and it's you no know, scouts that are out in all types of weather to try and you know, to try and identify on earth the young, the young talent. Uh, then from that you're into the academy type uh, situation uh, under 11 and 12 but again a big focus is on the under 12s to get the squad as strong as it can be because they move from their own primary school into the school programme we've got with St Ninians so it's a big jump going from primary to secondary not for any kid without moving into a football environment as well. So the curriculum there is good, you no know, coaching and, and uh, workshops and lunchtime. A special program for them that they can uh, do all their education, but also have the training facilities after the after the the, the school hours. Uh, we used to do sessions in the morning as well, but depending, well, that's changed slightly. We're focusing now on lunchtime and after school. And there's a new facility up there, uh, the 3G pitch as well, which has been a big boost for us. And then from that, they're trying their best to, and in the recruitment, we're trying to get the best young talent in. But between 13 and 16, it's amazing how they change. Oh, they go through the maturation, the like, oh, gross spurts. And like, oh, one minute you can be looking at one of the, our own players or, or one out at another club, and you're saying, Phew. He's got great talent, balance, you know, everything you're looking for. Then you go back six weeks later and he's no energy. Or, so in that, that's a very difficult age to, to scout between, I would say, 13 and 15. When they come to under 16, they start to fill out. They're starting to come out. You know, most players are, are starting to come out of the growth and maturation age uh, and start to gain a little bit of power to get their balance back. Uh, so... There's no uh, crystal ball. So what we try to do is, if a kid is talented at 11-12, if he keeps himself good and he follows the curriculum, he'll come back at 16. There is players that just go through in a straight line, but most of them are up and down. And uh, for us, it's to keep keep faith with them you know, during the periods that are difficult for them in terms of their growth. And also, you know yourself, look at in that age group, emotionally they change as well. You know, they've got other things in their mind, uh, schoolwork, there'll be little pressures. Uh, and then, so we've got to support them in all different ways uh, and wait to see how they, how they develop. And every goal for every one of the kids that are in the system is when they're approaching 16, they want to be a pro. And that can breed a little bit of anxiety as well. So, 
we've got a great coaching staff uh, and a great way of working and we try to keep them now. Not everybody makes it through, but we're hoping whether they leave at under 16 or you know, during the 16 to 18, the youth team, if they ever leave the club, that they've got enough behind them that other clubs will want them. And if you look through, even like we spoke about Shane making his debut against uh, Ross County, uh, Ross County have had uh, a lot of Celtic players, even Michael Garden still there, uh, the, the lad Stewart as well, but you know, there's been Ryan Conroy, and there have been many, many, Rocco Quinn, there's been many up there. If you look through the leagues, the lot of success for our academy is not only the ones that we're bringing through to the first team, but the, the ones that's went through uh, and made a career at other clubs. Yeah, Willie, Tommy Johnson was on the show with us a couple of months ago and Tommy said, you know, because of the grounding a player gets at Celtic, clubs will be, if they become available, clubs will be very interested because of what they, the work that has been already put into them. So he was yeah, even saying if a player doesn't make it at Celtic, you know, it's still, it's still the grounding for a very good professional career. Well, it's, it's something that like, obviously we've worked hard at and, uh, like, no, you know the style of play, like, no, the curriculum's there, the, Players are allowed to express themselves, play the Celtic way, and you play with a purpose. You play to try and win the match. You, you try to win your individual uh, test within the game. No, it's not. It's not a battle. No, people refer that no, to maybe senior football, but you've got the cat and mouse situation. Like no, and that's where you see game intelligence. You know, when when young players are, are growing through that age group, and that that's, that happens right through. No. The hardest part is uh, bridging the gap between potential and first team. And you know, thank God we've, we've been able to have, I think it's 19 players now who have played not in the Champions League qualifiers, in the Champions League group stages. So there's not many clubs uh, can say that from their academy. That's a great so, return. It is. And uh, you, know, you know there's other players going and you know, the, the recruitment that you're talking about, you know, We've been able to go and get Musa Dumbelli, you know, the first team scout, and then you, know, you mentioned Jeremy coming in, and that's a kind of hybrid one between you know, certain people like working at the club to, to bring him in. And what I would say, like, you, know, you can't go into too much depth uh, on it, but I would say identifying a player is one thing, but recruiting the player is much harder. You know, and that's right through, like, even, even the, the younger age group, but you know, as a Celtic supporter, like there's players that you might like and say, oh, he should be at Celtic, but to try and get them, like, no, you see the, the money that's been spent in England. And I don't know if you've noticed that maybe six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, when we were looking for players as, as a club or other prices, there wasn't much moving and prices, nobody knew what the price of a player would be. Now that the English Premier League uh, as soon as that finished from last season, about four weeks ago, things have just gone up and up and up, uh, the value of the players now. And to get a striker anywhere, you know, you're looking at five to ten million. And the top players are, are up at 70, 80 million now. So, you no, know, that, that's the hardest thing that we have to do. Like, no, it's compete. You know, we can identify the players we might want you know, in the academy and moving up, but the hardest part of the job is recruiting them, get, getting things over the line. Yeah, well, just one player um, that I suppose played very young with Hamilton as a senior player 
Was James McCarthy? Was he ever? Was he ever with Celtic? Or? Well, we, we, we spoke about him. Yeah, uh, he was in for a trial period, but at that time, you know, we've got great talents ourselves, and you can't sign everybody. Yeah, uh, but no, I do remember him being in at that time. No, but there's, there's players that will be at other clubs who were in at Celtic, like you no, know, as young kids, and you no, know, they move on as well. Uh, but you no, know, James has been on there for a good career. And a yeah. couple come in, leave, and then come back as senior players like uh, Stephen Craney and Charlie McGrew. Yeah, yeah, they were a group of boys like when I was youth, youth team coach, head of youth, that we brought in. Talented boys, talented boys. Uh, Charlie's still doing really well. Stephen, like uh, different players. Uh, but there was a lot of good lads at that time. If you remember, like John Kennedy, like no the assistant manager at the moment, people like, John Kennedy, uh, Stephen McManus, they actually signed you know, on the same day. Uh, and John was outstanding, you know, the potential that he had. And it was from 14, 15 years of age where we, at that time that's when you could sign them on S forms. And uh, like John was in with us all the time and thank God we, we got him over the line because of big interest at that time from Man United. Uh, so that was a a big day for us as well, no signing the two boys you know, at the same time. You must get great satisfaction when you see someone that's come through the underage with Celtic. It's everybody. I, I remember doing like, oh, maybe team talks before the, the Youth Cup final and like, uh, thank God, they, in the days we were, were there virtually every year and like winning it. You know, so we were doing something right. Uh, although it's not all about winning, winning it's uh, it's a quality to have about Celtic. And uh, like, just what you said about being proud, like, there's so many people uh, proud. Like, first of all, it's a big occasion for the boys, uh, their mums, their dads. Uh, they're looking for you know, tickets for all the family. So that's something they've never handled before. Prior to the game, and with media attention. They've been interviewed you know, on Celtic TV and things like that. So it's it's different from the norm. And... It's a great experience for them. Uh, but you're talking about being proud. How do the, the parents feel? Like, you no, know, under 18, their kid started off trying to get signed with Celtic, then they're through, they're playing in a cup final. And you know, you know yourself, like, uh, if a, you have a good group, more get carried through to the next level. And that was something we always tried to preach to them. But it was a case of go and enjoy yourself, go and go and be proud of what you've done and go and make other people proud of you. And I would mention, like, no, right from the scouts, they're sitting there willing you on, like, no, the coaches that you've worked with all through the all through the system. No, some of them have been from eight-year-old, you know, for 10 years. All the coaches are there, they're all willing you on. They're all, like, no, looking for you to do well. And ultimately, go and show the manager what you can do. And on a big stage, because the biggest jump is the, the lads playing youth football. All the managers come to see the talents and, and whatever, but it's good to see them under pressure. And that was the thing he tried to put across to them. Uh, go and enjoy, go and show people, go and make us, you know, the, your parents proud. And there were so many people there supporting you uh, and have supported you over the years. So that was a kind of message to them. And uh, look, no, the they were a good a good bunch and, and it goes in cycles. The years you get two or three good players, some you get six or seven, 
that might move through. But the one thing is you wanted them to enjoy the experience as well uh, and never get them too uptight because that might be the last time they're playing a Celtic jersey because it's normally the, the last game of the season, you know, the cup final. So you want them to remember you know, that, that time and hopefully that the majority of them will move into the reserve team and towards the first team. But it should be a special time to be a Celtic player. It's always great for the fans, really, when a young player comes through the system, one of our own, as we say, and you know, we see them coming off the bench, or even when you check the team sheet, they're on it. And I don't mean the pre-season friendlies, I mean when we're playing a competitive game. And when I think back, you know, you think back to Tony Watt coming off the bench, like, you know, Barcelona, like, you know, no one, nobody knew who Tony was. And, there's been so, so many other debuts where you see a player coming on and you're just like going... Well, the, one, the one I remember is uh, David Marshall. Yeah. Like, big John Kennedy played in that game as well. And he just grew from this potential into a man. He was outstanding. Look, he's still playing international football just now. The current number one in Scotland. Uh, so things like that. And I think within weeks, he had a fantastic save at Ibrox. No, and that and that just makes you, you no. Know, but the, there's a lot of a lot of good lads uh, there, and like you no, know, they've came through. And there's actually that many. The Celtic fans have always liked that. You no, know, way back to the the Kelly Kelly kids. Um, they know that I can remember. Like you no, know, they always supported you. With uh, my own experience as well, when you go into the team at first, they're just desperate for you to do well. You no, know, that's the same just now. You no. Know, Mikey Johnson came in and you know, caught the eye with the boys as well, but he's had a few the supporters, sorry, as well, and uh, like, there was a few injuries. So, but there's you know, the stalwarts just now, James Forrest and Callum, uh, they're, they're just real leaders for, for the team now. And uh, obviously, Kean left last year and whatever, but what a servant he was and coming through from eight year old. And you know, as I said to you earlier on, we've got a friend, Jersey, that Kieran gave to my dad uh, for, you know, to recognise like, you know, he brought him into the club and that's pride the place down, you know, down in the, the main TV room uh, that the boys have got so he, he went for 25 million so that's a kid that came in at 8 year old uh, so like, you know, there's successes in different ways you know, and you just from my point of view the, the titles I've had itself they've been head of youth and Used team coach, reserve team manager, and, and now you, you you want to be the best you can be as well, and basically that's for the boys. Oh, like to try and I used to try and go and learn and bring things back from Europe and club visits I went to to, to help their development, and it was amazing. Like the, the boys would take, you know, like when you're working with young players, it keeps you young because you've got to go on your toes. They're as sharp as a tack. <laughs> bit of Villarreal. Passing drill or a game and whatever. And I remember Ed McGeady at the player of the year impersonating me. Like, no, today, like, no, like, this is, if this is good enough for Villarreal, like, no, no, it's good enough for you, that type of thing. And Bayer Leverkusen or Bayern Munich, whatever it may be. And, uh, but they were a great bunch and, and I really enjoyed my time uh, with the youth. And I'll tell you another wee story. They, they took us out into the city and I thought it was a wind up. So it was going on for a day or two. Charlie McGrew was the kind of the main man, the main man. Uh, so Ed McGeady and they're all, they're all, they're all there. So they said, "You're coming for a meal. We want to say thanks." Blah blah blah. And like, okay, right. Uh, 
So I was training up at uh, Lennox Town and I'm driving home. Now I'm saying to myself when I'm driving home, will I meet them or will I not? And uh, anyway, the phone goes, where are you? Are you in the town yet? And this is Charlie. And I said, no, no, I'm going home for some clinic. Uh, go home first, get changed. No, like I'll meet you in the town later. Right, okay, but we're in such and such a place. We'll be in Glasgow in an hour. No, make sure you're there. You've, you've got to come. And I'm right, okay. If this is a wind-up, I'm going to go. But if it's a wind-up, I'll take it in good, good faith and whatever. And if it's if it's real, then brilliant. But I go, go down and get the train. I'm heading in. The phone goes, Charlie, where are, where are you? Where are you? You're in the town yet? No, he says, right, meters, meters underneath the guy with the cone in his head at Royal James Square. Now, that's what he said. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, I'm on the train. I'd as well get the train back because this is a wind-up. So I get into the, into the central and uh, the last thing I'm going to do is go and stand underneath <laughs> the statue, right? So I get into Royal Exchange Square and I went into the toilet in one of the pubs and there they all came trooping in, right? And they couldn't believe I was there. They thought I wasn't coming. But the moral of this story is that they wanted to say thanks, but they must be talking all the time amongst themselves. All the boys, some of them had left the club, some were still there. They went with that and put bang a piece of paper on the table and asked me to write down each position who was the best player to come through the youth and through your ranks. So anyway, and this is what triggered me off to tell the story was David Marshall. So I sat with goalkeeper and I'm going, and I'm trying to be a wee bit cheeky to him, you know, Scott Fox, great goalkeeper, Big Marsh, outstanding, Hugh McGovern, he's just played in the World Cup in Northern Ireland and whatever, uh, Andy McCondicke get through, Barry John Corr. So the amount of time he spent just in the goalkeepers that came through was frightening. So we ended up, like, no, close one, have to put Marsh in, uh, Foxy, no, Michael, all done great. So we said, right, what about the back four? So Charlie's the, 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 the he's uh, the ringleader. Like he's the one that's doing all the chirping. So right backs, we're going for Paul Caddis. Uh, you know, there's another list there. Right centre back, Kendall. Left centre back, and Charlie's getting chirping. So I'm like, well, okay, uh, down the day. Uh, there's a. Uh, Stephen McManus, club captain, it's going to be Stephen McManus. And Charlie's got all agitated, <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's like, oh, you put me in at left back, Willie. And I said, Charlie, Stephen Kenny was a better left back than you. <laughs> and he's like, what? I said, look, you might make the bench. So at that time, right, the whole place is erupting, right? So Charlie being the, you know, the, the jack the lad and the one that wanted it all done, right? I knew what he was up to. So it was easy to leave him at the team. He was on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that's what they were like. And, and for me, it was, uh, like it was a great a great time uh, you know, to be a coach as well, you know, working with the, the boys and the, 
they can thoroughly enjoy that. You've named some plenty of talented players there. Uh, that's what, that's what me only getting to the back four because Ross and, Wallace and this is go back as well. But yeah. this is probably an unfair question because really I think there's another episode in your best team you brought through. Again, Andrew, it's not me bringing them through. No, but no, but well, you're the coach as well, you know. And of course, the great, great Tommy Bones was there with you, and you know there's so many brilliant coaches. But just from your perspective. You know, the players that come through with you, you know, could you pick one out, you know, and you went, he, he, he's the most talented or he's the best, without being unfair? You, you know yourself, it's like, uh, who's the best player in Celtic's first team just now? Like, no, it's uh, it's different qualities for different positions. No, but natural talent and ability, like, no, I'm sure the boys wouldn't mind the saying, like, no. But I'll readdress that. I way back when I, when I first came in, the first team that I was handed over, there was a the young lad, John Paul McBride. Uh, he was competing against Barry Ferguson at that particular time. And for me, John Paul had everything. But just things happen uh, in life and, like, no opp- opportunity. Like, he went to St. John's. I think he made a couple of games for us as well, but he went to St. John's and, and like, uh, no difference. But he was a natural footballer in possession and out of possession. He, he just was outstanding and then when you go through it there was many many talented boys and when you're looking at individual skills like Ed McGeady would be up there with the, the best you know, in, in terms of uh, he was a talent very much like Paul in a lot of ways like you no know, from eight year old you know, people were raving about him being a like a, a top class player now that that's hard to handle at times and and he did it he handled he'd done it all the way through uh, and he's still playing now, so you know, fair, fair play. I mean, he's you know, done brilliant for Celtic, went to other clubs, and a real talent uh, as well. But at that age group, you know, he could do it, and like, you no, know, he had the attitude as well, you no, know, to, you know, to go with it. It, it was just, you know, the desire to always be the best. And some players there, Willie, that you named, um, it's, it's, uh, I actually memories are floating back to certain games as well now, and, and <laughs> when you said big match there in Barcelona, and, but you, you know, look you look at that time as well, Andrew. Look like, uh, what you said. You no, know, like I came in. Tommy was manager. You no, know, with Billy Stark. I came back from Sligo from winning that treble, uh, and it was just a great a great time. But it was difficult because the first season was uh, at Hamden. You no, know, for for Tommy and the team and all that and. Like, uh, you know, what happened after that? I lost one game uh, in a season, uh, the following season, and, and never won the league. Uh, so then there was all the different managers that came in, you know, with them and Dr. Joe and, like, Martin. Like, no, it was just, uh, you know, the experience that you were getting from all, all these guys. It was uh, a great time to be there in that capacity that I had. Uh, and then... Latterly, you know, like Tommy came back after leaving the club oh, and working in the youth as well. And he just, what a man. That's all I can say, what a man. Tommy's legacy is, you know, it's there for all to see. Like, uh, I suppose, like, the next day is, no, Tommy was Celtic through and through. No, definitely, yeah. He's, uh, he didn't do anything half-hearted, that's for sure. Like, uh, at the time where he, he went back into the, the lower academy, like, uh, I remember being a game and I came by the London Road and the lights were on at Barrowfield and it was nearly 10 o'clock at night and my first thing first thought was Tommy's down the night mm-hmm. <laughs> the, mid, the midnight Tommy the, the, the wee groundsman 
No, when Tommy came in, they phoning up the road saying, look, I'm going to be late tonight. Tommy's in. <laughs> Tommy would have done anything for Celtic, wouldn't he? Uh, he's, he's just a great man. Uh, knowledgeable, passionate, uh, a, a good man. And he was the type of guy that, uh, no, didn't matter how close you were to him, like, no, he, he could, like, no, in a way, like, tell you, no, you need to do this, I need to do that. Uh, but also, like, he could uh, make you feel 10 foot tall. He just had a, a great charisma about him. Uh, in fact, even when he was trying to knock you, he left you, you know, feeling 10 foot tall as well. Then yes, he goes back, all right, I've got the message there, right, but you feel good. <laughs> and Neil had that as well. You know, he, he could yeah. not say much, but you know, make you like, feel good about yourself, but reflect on the message. Yeah, Scott McDonald said when he came to Celtic Forest, away on pre-season, I think, and he said, Tommy, come over to him and put his arm around him and said, you're one of us, you're one of our players and you're good enough. And he said the lift that Gavin was, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of competition for places and obviously he was coming with the history he was coming with. But he said Tommy was just brilliant. And that kind of comes across with most of the players that I speak to about Tommy. Willie McStay, Celtic true and true. And once again, we had to let the tape run and run as the conversation flowed. And you can hear the second part of the interview with Willie on Tuesday's show. 19 years since we started more than 90 minutes and issue 110 goes on sale today. You can order the print or digital copy. If you order the print, we'll get it posted out straight away. And if you can't wait, the digital will drop straight into your inbox. You can order both on our website. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Ronan McQuillan, if you like what we're doing and would like to support us, you can do so by visiting CelticFanzine.com where you can become a member, subscribe, buy or donate for the price of a point. Thanks to everyone who has listened and supported us so far. We really appreciate the support. Thanks to everyone who has downloaded the new app. It's free and you will have access to all our podcasts, articles, daily news, video and info on upcoming events, the fanzine and our online shop all at the touch of a button. All episodes of the podcast are now available on all platforms. So whatever your preferred platform is, please hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll never miss an episode. If you click into our Instagram, you'll also be able to go on straight onto Spotify where you can get all the episodes. And I'd like to thank Aaron for looking after our Instagram account. We would also appreciate if you could hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, Celtic Fanzine TV. We are currently working on some new video material and we'll have that out soon. Thanks again to our episode sponsor, Left Wing Badges, who produce all our badges and are a great way for fundraising for your CSC. If you'd like to see our badges, you can visit our shop at celticfanzine.com forward slash shop. You'll also see all our t-shirts and merchandise. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club are enjoying the podcast and would like to help us out and become a sponsor, please email us at info at celticfanzine.com. You can also contact us through the website or through social media. Keep the comments coming in and let us know what guests you would like us to get on the show. And if you have a story to tell, please get in contact. And I'd like to thank the listener who contacted us about getting Willie on the show. I really enjoyed chatting to him. And you can get the second part, episode 29, with Willie in conversation with us on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Let's hope the boys can do the business against Livingston tomorrow. And we can celebrate going top of the table with a few drinks. Stay tuned, stay safe and keep the faith.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.